You know, the devil tries so hard to blind us to who Jesus is. You know, the devil is so scared of what happens when we really see Jesus. He is, he shakes in his boots. I believe his knees are knocking when we see Jesus. When we see him for who he is, the devil is, he works tirelessly to blind us or distract us or confuse us so that we are not able to truly see who Jesus is. And I tell you what, my prayer today is that we would see him. Amen. Amen. The lost, it says that there is a veil over those that are perishing. The gospel is literally veiled to them. They don't understand it. That is why in in Romans chapter 1 it says, For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Because when you present or you share the gospel, which is simply the news of Jesus, that is so good. It's like it's too good to be true. It is so good. When we just share who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit does something with that. The gospel is the power of God to remove that veil. But even as believers, through life circumstances and, and, and sometimes our own pride and our own knowledge, um, there, there are things that can restrict us from truly seeing him. And so my prayer today is that we see him. I, uh, I think the devil is totally happy if, if we are content with enough books, spiritual books, enough spiritual YouTubes, enough podcasts and whatnots, and all of those things are not bad. In fact, I benefit from a lot of really good books and a lot of great ministers and, and all of that, but I believe the devil is totally content if we, uh, we're okay with just that. If we're okay with just a, a source that is not truly Jesus. What, what uh, the heart of this church and the leadership of this church is not that you would walk away from a, a service here, motivated. Because uh, I tell you what, there's a lot of motivational speakers out there, and you can go find one. Go, go listen to YouTube, and, and you can be motivated. And I, I do believe you will leave motivated, but that is not the goal. The goal here is not to move your emotions, even though your emotions likely are going to be totally rocked and shredded. I know I pretty much cry on a weekly basis. <laughs> coming to church, or I'm shouting, or I'm excited, or, whoo, Jesus, you're so good, I can't stop crying. But the goal is not the movement of our emotion. We are not here for hype, which is fleeting. We are here to meet the person who is hope, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is not motivational, he's transformational. He's here to take what we have and to change it and to transform it. And we bring our brokenness and he does something with our brokenness and he makes it whole. He takes the dirt and the scum and the yucky stuff of our life and he says, let me wash you in my blood because I'm not here to motivate you to just kind of better live your best life with the junk you got. I'm here to take, this is Jesus, I'm here to take that which is broken. I'm here to take that yoke the enemy has placed on your life, and I'm not here to just simply remove it. I'm here to destroy it. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of darkness, and that's the God we serve. Amen? Last week, Pastor Jonathan read this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. This is Isaiah 64. You can turn there if you want. It's a really good book, and we're going to actually skip back a couple chapters in a minute. Isaiah 64 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, and the mountains quaked at your presence." How many know it's powerful to remember what God has done? Because when you remember what he's done, you know what you can ask for. Lord, rend the heavens and shake the mountains. Amen? And I think it's, um, you know, we can sometimes get into a really hungry state of life and almost sometimes forget that God wants that more than we do. 
I love this in, in Isaiah 62. This is the Lord speaking to us. And he says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I've set watchmen all the day and all the night, that they shall never be silent. This is verse 6. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest. God is saying, don't give me any rest. God is saying, I want you calling on me, as Sarah mentioned. Knock, ask, seek. I want you calling, give me no rest until the Lord establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. I think we can add to that, until God perfects his bride. Until the bride of Christ is without spot and without wrinkle, and it is a glory and a praise in the earth. Amen? All right, are you hungry? Yes. Okay, good. Um, let's, let's, we're going to do something. If you, if you have space where you're sitting, or you see space in front of you, can you move? And just, can we just come a little closer? Because today, we're going to talk a little bit about family. And so we're just going to, here's my title. Revival is a family ordeal. You like that? Revival is a family ordeal. So if you got space, just scoot in. We're going to be family. Just get close. It's okay. Um, you don't, don't feel pressure if you feel like I need to uh, keep enough space or whatever. But uh, scoot on up. We're just going to look at Jesus together. Amen? You know, God, uh, he does some amazing miracles through family. Wouldn't you say? And when I say family today, you can think of family in, in kind of two categories. One is our personal family, but then also our church family. And both are incredibly applicable to what we're looking at today. But we've been going through a, um, a, a time of prayer and fasting, Pastor Jonathan just mentioned. So this last week has been a focus on personal revival because that's where it starts, right? But then we're praying this week over Revival in families or family revival, and, and that applies to our personal family in the home and our church family. And then the, the third week of the 21 weeks of prayer and fasting, we're going to be focusing on community revival because how many know we're looking to see this region transformed? Amen? What did I say? Whew, that would be rough. For anyone who didn't hear that, apparently I said 21 weeks. Uh, who's ready for 21 weeks? Yeah, what's up? Uh, how, how many know, though, we're ready for 21 weeks and many more of revival? Amen? But we're going to talk a little bit about family and how God works through family. But God does a lot of miracles through family. I've seen people come into this church family that have no family, and I've seen their life so changed and so transformed, not because... Just simply, you talk to people and somehow things make... But when Jesus is in the midst of this gathering, and when people come together in his name, he is in the midst. And Jesus does amazing things, and Jesus does miracles. And for some reason, Jesus loves to work in the family. Amen? It says he puts the solitary into families. That's the God we serve. He is the father to the fatherless. I mean, no, we live in a generation where the family unit is broken. As Pastor Jonathan said, it's under attack. And it is really a broken thing. But how many know God can take what is broken and make something so much better? Amen? So healing comes through family. You know what else comes through families? Pain. All right, that's the motivational part. Here we go. Pain. All right. Leave with that. Uh, we're motivated. We're, we're, yes. Who, yeah. Welcome. We're here motivated. No, just joking. Um, if you, if you know what I was, where I was going with that, forgive me. Um, but, uh, not here to motivate you by any means, but let's be real. There's, there's pain that comes through families and Jesus, uh, he is not the author of the messes in our life and the pains that we struggle with. And, and how many know we, there's some real stuff. There's some people in this room, it'd be very easy for you to say, they don't know what I'm talking about. They don't know what I'm dealing with. Do you know who does? Jesus. The one who experienced every temptation known to man, every pain, every betrayal, every hatred, every physical abuse, Jesus has experienced it. 
He's become, he, he became familiar with everything that we experience. We serve a God who takes the broken and makes it whole. I want to read this really quick because we're going to set our sights on something. Um, Psalm 133. You can turn there if you like. We're going to go somewhere. Promise. Somebody said to lunch. This is our sights. This is where this is where we're where God is taking us. And I think if you read this ahead before I even read it here, you can probably say I've heard this. Yeah, I've read this. I've prayed this. I'm telling you this this needs to become our yearning, our desire, our thirst because it's not about me. It's about we. And it's about what God does through the we. And it's amazing how, how we've organized the, the prayer for these 21 weeks. Um, next time it'll be months. No, I'm sorry. For these 21 days, we've, we've organized it. We start on individual. Why? Because, man, if we want God to operate in the families, we've gotta, God's got to work in us. Amen. Right? And, and we're going to talk about some of that still. There's, there's personal application, but what we're aiming for has to do so much with what God wants to do through the we. I'm going to read this. Behold how good and pleasant, pleasing, beautiful, amazing, wonderful, glorious, powerful it is when brothers, that means family, interpretation, Dwell in unity. Okay, that sounds like a really easy thing to say, right? I think what follows should kind of give us a sense that this is actually really rare. And it's not actually that common, but it's actually so important and special to God that the following occurs. It is like the precious Oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron. Speaking of the high priest, the very first high priest ever established to act in such a way that would go into the holy place and meet with God because they had been anointed with the anointing oil running down on the collar of his robes. Verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon or Hermon or however you say it, which falls on the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. I want to be where God commands a blessing. Do you know why? First of all, God apparently is involved. Um, and whenever, wherever, whatever Jesus is up to, I want to be up to, right? Uh, but he does not command blessing in Scripture very often. There's a lot of words referring to blessing or blessed are you. There's very rare scenarios where you see commanded blessing. And so there's something very unique and very special about this. And we're going we're to turn to Isaiah 62 here in a moment. So you can grab that spot if you'd like. But I, I want to just uh, call out that this is, is so important that we set our sights on God wants us as a family to dwell in unity, which means it's actually possible to be a family that's not in unity. Which, that's shocking, I know, right? Because everybody here has families that are perfect, right? And you guys all got unity going on, right? Uh, unity, and we're, I'm not here to really talk a whole lot about unity, but I, I want to clarify something. Unity is not sameness. Unity is not uh, I, I look like you, smell like you, think like you, talk like you. Oh, left foot? Okay, left foot. Okay, the right? Okay. That is not unity. Unity is agreement. Oneness of heart. Oneness of mind. And guess what? The only way on this earth for there to be true unity is when Jesus is the center. It's impossible for there to be any true unity where Jesus is not the son of the solar system. I mean, it's amazing. His creation gives glory to who he is. The earth only operates correctly when it is wrapping around the sun. 
and Mars is doing whatever it's doing. And NASA is out there trying to figure out what doesn't exist there. Uh, anyway, go NASA. What's up? Um, I love that NASA shirts are like totally in right now. I need to get one. But um, unity, it's possible for family to not dwell in unity. But here's what we're going to focus on. It is possible for there to be unity. God would not write it and say, look at this. How beautiful, how pleasing, how God gets excited about when the family of God is in unity. And that applies to our homes. When the home has unity, when the marriage has unity, when the children have unity. Guess how children have unity with their parents? They're submitted. (laughs) It's so beautiful to God that's where his anointing pours out. God can't help but pour his anointing out on something that he can bless. And it's so beautiful to God that he doesn't just bless it. He commands blessing there. There's a place where more than one person comes together in unity and agreement and surrounded with Jesus as the central focus of it all. And it's in such unity that God's blessing rests there. I believe that is a picture of what we're after. It's not the whole picture, but it's something to give us a glimpse of what we're praying for when we pray for revival. You know, we, we use this term revival often. I, you know, we, you've heard the term maybe awakening or a move of God or an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a revival. I believe that uh, often... It helps when you're praying for something to have a general sense of what you're praying for, right? And I think there's something in us that knows God's up to something. But like, what is it? And I think sometimes it's, it's easy if we're not careful, just like it's possible for me to be so focused on being in faith that I can actually put my faith in my faith. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm, standing, I'm standing on the word. And my, faith, my actual faith, is, my confidence is now in my standing on him as opposed to No, my faith is born because I've heard his word and I hear his voice in his word and I'm standing and I'm believing that Jesus, the person, will accomplish what he said he will accomplish. We we can easily get into this phase where we begin to have our faith in our faith or we begin to worship our worship. And we can sometimes get to the point where we're so focused on revival that it's the thing and it's... We need to realize what we're after is not a thing. What we're after is the outflow of a person. Revival is a place where the person of Jesus is so close that heaven itself seems to permeate the atmosphere and you cannot help but to be changed and to be transformed because Jesus is so near and his the oil is pouring out like the oil on the beard of Aaron and God's commandment of blessing is there that it's just... You can't help but be transformed. That's probably not the best definition of revival, but maybe it's a definition. I wrote down a few thoughts. It's It's a move of God. It's an awakening. It's a time where God visits, and in His divine mercy, He sovereignly pours out His Spirit in a way that seems to bring the very essence of heaven to earth. And it changes everything. It wakes up a sleeping, dormant church and it lights it on fire. And the world is drawn to see what God is doing. It cannot be planned for, but it can be prepared for. It cannot be scheduled, but it will change our schedule. It requires no advertising. The Holy Spirit does such a great and mighty work that it becomes a burning torch in the midst of the darkness of the night. And multitudes are drawn, just like John the Baptist in the wilderness. I mean, I, I love Jesus saying this. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? You, can you hear Jesus like, what, what brought you out there? Why were you drawn to the wilderness when you've got all these synagogues to synagogues? We, we, we do some Bible time. I'm going to owe her a dollar. But we were... Uh, Jules does some uh, Bible time as a part of our schooling, and um, it's amazing. They call it garden time. I love it. Just in the garden with Jesus. And, um, and they were reading, and, and it was Lily's turn, and she read Sinagugu. 
So synagogue, synagogue. Uh, these people had access to the word of God where the scrolls were and where the reading was and the holy robes and the Pharisees were there to read. And Jesus says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Many times God will do something that requires no Facebook. No, you heard it on the radio. Who listens to the radio now? I don't know. I mean, it happens. Um, We often see a powerful meeting and are tempted to call it revival has arrived, but I believe, um, and, and, and that is what we're after. We're after the miracle. We want to see signs and wonders and miracles. But I'm telling you, uh, just as powerfully as God will demonstrate his power to our physical bodies, God is going to work deeply within our hearts. Revival brings you to your knees. It brings you to a deep travail for your own sin and the sin of others. An awareness of the condition of mankind without Jesus. I'll put it this way. Revival is Jesus revealed. And like I said, we can't plan the date or the time or the hour or the schedule but I, we can, Jesus said, you, can, you know the times and the seasons. You can kind of sense when the season is shifting. And I, I know God is preparing us. I believe wholeheartedly we are going to see a mighty move of God. And it's going to be something that we can't perfectly box. It's going to break all of our boxes. It's going to break all of our schedules. It's going to break all of our expectations. It's going to be exceedingly abundantly above we could ever ask or think. Um, And I believe our part right now, this season we are in, is God wants us to be ready, to be prepared. I was thinking about this this last week. Right after church on Sunday, we go to to lunch, and uh, I'm trying to get Zeke to eat some lunch, and he would not eat a bite. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's just you're not a big fan of Indian food or something. And uh, then we go home, put him in his bed, and he he ends up uh, vomiting. That's the, is that the most scientific way I can say that without grossing you out? Um, I'm just going to say vomit about four times, and that way you won't be so hungry. We can have a longer service. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so we're like, so he vomits in his bed, and it's like, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, we're doing sheets and trying to calm his stomach down, and he can't keep a thing down. I mean, later on, we try and give him some water, and it just keeps coming. And poor guy was like dry heaves and all this stuff. And we thought maybe it was something he ate. You know, was it the fishy crackers? No, it's not the fishy crackers. It's, what was it? And uh, we, so we go to the hospital uh, after I touched his tummy, and he goes, ow. And we get to the hospital, and how many know when you get to the hospital and you're in pain and you got a problem, you are really hoping that they're prepared. You are really hoping that they know how to put an IV in you. <laughs> We had an experience, so I'm saying that. Uh, thankfully, Blake, if you ever see this man, shout out to Blake, the nurse. Dude, he was awesome. We had these ladies poking him up, trying to, and uh, Blake, first try, got, got the IV in, and, and we were in much better shape. But uh, it was an ordeal, but man, I was grateful they were ready. Later on, they transferred us. We went to one hospital, and then they transferred us to Children's. Uh, for an operation because it turned out to be appendicitis. I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to leave the punchline out there, but uh, <coughs> it wasn't really the punchline. But, uh, and when we got to children's, they said, don't worry, they have a room for you. We've already got a room for you. So shout out to our children's. I know we got some people who represent. They, they have a room for you. How many know we need to have some room available? We always have room for Jesus. Do we have room for those that maybe think differently, smell differently, look differently, talk differently? Do we have room for what God wants to do? I want to turn to Isaiah 62. I want to read verse 10. There's so much in this, but I'm just going to read verse 10. Uh, through, through 12. It says, go through, Isaiah 62, verse 10. 
Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out. I mean, I love that name. That means God goes out for us. He seeks us and brings us in. Amen. A city not forsaken. Anybody ever felt on the edge of forsaken? God, why have you forsaken me? Guess what? We are not forsaken. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. Amen. So we're going to look through this as just a little bit of a guide to preparation and, and what God is doing. But we're going to talk about this off much of this in the context of how God is preparing our hearts in the home and in the church as family. The first I want to look at is go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. I love how some of these, it's like poetic. It says it twice, go through, go through the gates. Like if you you make sure you hear this one, get through the gates. And when I look at that, I see that as a picture of return to where you belong, cross the threshold and do something that is not currently comfortable. You like how I just, you got to put, sometimes it all depends on the emphasis. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, after church, ask a friend. Um, (laughs) Return to the right priorities in life. For Israel, this prophecy was speaking to the Jews that were in exile, that there would be a day where they would need to go and return and retake their land and to enter through the gates. And I believe in this time, if we look at where we have been as a church, we look at the book of Acts, we're maybe not fully back there or what we see in the book of Revelation. And so there's, there's a place for us to go. There's a place for us to get through. And there's, a, there's this calling, I believe, of the Lord that as the family of God and in the home, that there is a place of returning to where we belong, returning to the right priorities in our life where the main thing is really the main thing. And how many know Jesus is the main thing? And, and our life should revolve and wrap and completely be around Him. And if there's any person, place, or thing, a.k.a. a noun, which we're learning in homeschool. You, you relearn everything, you know. Um, I'm glad I know what a noun is now, but no, I know I think I might have known that. But if there's any person, place, or thing that is impeding you or distracting you or giving you a reason not to be in a place where Jesus is truly the main thing, then maybe there's a thing that we need to remove from our life so that we can get to where we belong. There's, maybe there's a priority change in, in life that needs to happen. I I was reminded of this story. I wrote this down. Prayer, devotion, church, family dinner, maybe shutting off some screens, being intentional with your time. You will always find time to do what you want. What matters to you. This is not a condemnation. This is a call. This is a call because uh, God has so much in store. And I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. And it's not, revival's not just about the me, it's about the we. I know that something shifted in my heart, I don't know, over the course of this last year or a little bit more. And we've been in this season of prayer. But I don't know about you, but I've had a personal hunger for revival for probably, I mean, you know, all my life I've wanted it, but like, uh, or since I've followed Jesus with all my heart. But in the last, I would say, probably four to five years, it has been a thirst of mine. I mean, I just, God, I'm crying out for you to move. I remember there's times where it would just, like, intercession would just fall on me in the car driving to work. And out of nowhere, I was just, like, tired. And all of a sudden, Jesus, we've got to have a move. Seattle needs a move. We need your Holy Spirit. 
And it just comes out of you. That's the Holy Spirit in you. And by the way, if you were asleep, I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) But it just comes out of you. But in my heart, if I'm being totally honest and totally transparent, most of that time, it's really been a hunger for myself. I want a touch of your presence. I want you to move like I've I've heard you move before. I want to see what I've heard happen. I want to feel what it's like. I want this. I want this. I want this. And if I'm honest... Some of that was really self-centered. But in the last year, maybe year and a half, two years, something shifted in me where my, 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 I'm going to use this in the right context, so don't hear this wrong. My jealousy, the Lord, it says he is a jealous God. My jealousy is on behalf of the Lord. Something shifted in me where my cry My thirst, my hunger is, Lord, I just want the world to see what it looks like when your hand is upon a people. I don't need, you can do whatever you want with me. If you want to put me in a closet and just have me pray, I want your glory. That's why we sing, we glorify your name. A true revival, I believe, one of the marks of it is, is you cannot chalk it up to any one person. It's truly God who gets all of the glory. We've got to return to the right priority, the right motive, the right heart. Go through the gates. Get back to where we belong. And many times it's the basics like Pastor John said today. Only believe. You face a situation and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. But guess what? Um, So this is like this. And so because it's like this, I can't, God can only do this, but the rest, it's, that's like, this is what it's going to be. How many know we do this? Do you follow my confusing language there? We do this. We, we're like, God, I'm going to believe on your word, but ex- in, except in this situation because it's like this and this can't. And it. Jesus made it really simple. Only believe. He told Martha, Martha, don't you understand? I am the resurrection and the life. She's like, Jesus, you, you were supposed to come when Lazarus was sick. And you could have healed him. As if he's not able to raise him from the dead. Why? You could have healed him, but you came too late. And Jesus, now you can't do anything. But we do this. God, you can do a work if you do it by then and in this way. And <laughs> we, d- we define revival like that. God, I want you to move like this and like this and like this. How many know what happens is when we say, God, we don't know what you want to do, but we want you to do it. Whatever you have, like what was prayed, we surrender God. Jesus is like, I am the trans, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And then he's like, roll away the stone. And then Martha again, you know, whoa, whoa, Jesus. He don't you understand? He's stiff as a board in there and he stinks. Um, and Jesus like, will you just listen to me? Only believe. We give Martha a hard time, but how many know Martha gets it done? We need, we need Martha. Mar- Mary needs Martha and Martha needs Mary, right? Okay. Because um, we're getting to where brethren dwell in unity. Now, I said it earlier, but unity is not sameness. It's, it's oneness of heart and of mind. I'll tell you what. You know where God produces the greatest unity? It is where there is typically the greatest diversity. He, he produces something so beautiful and powerful because in the distinctions, we're able to see the beauty in all of the differences. And in that, we surround God is the one who made us all. And in that, I mean, it is, this is the, not only got what we must have, what the church needs, what the world needs, but I'm telling you, it's also the answer to like loads of problems in the world today. There is such division in the earth, right? Okay, we're, we're going off. I'm going to uh, run through, we're going to go through the gates. And then we're going to build the highway. It says, build up, build up, the highway. And I'm going to just simply put this, rebuild the altar. The altar was the place, the highway through which God 
received worship, received, there was sacrifice on the altar. It was a place of communication between God and man where God showed that he approved, where God showed that he accepted, where God demonstrated his power. The altar is a place of of submission before the Lord. And when the altar and what is on the altar is right, God does amazing things. Um, And so in the home, rebuilding the altar, what does that look like? I'm not saying you need to go get some bricks or some wood and build an altar, which you, I mean, you could if you want. But that's not the point. The altar, Romans 12, living sacrifice. We're to be a living sacrifice, and we're wiggly when we're living. And so in, in our walk with God, we often like to get up off the altar, but Jesus is like, just, just stay on the altar and let me just work. Paul's like, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. We just did some baptisms. Some altars just occurred right there, Right? Rebuild the altar in the home. What does it look like? Reestablishing prayer as a priority. Worship. Getting into the word. Kids need to see you worship Jesus. We, we, we are not the best at it. We're improving and spending, trying to do it more. But like one of the things, I, I want my kids by the time they're 18 to know what it looks like for a grown man to cry all the time. <laughs> And not just because he's boohooing, I mean crying in the presence of God. Pouring out his heart for Jesus. My wife, I love this, when um, we we got a piano a little while ago, and we just had this desire. We had a keyboard, and keyboards are great. Okay, no offense. Yamaha. Um, But there's just something about a real piano, and it was just a hunger, a desire in us. And so we, we waited, and we finally found one. We got kind of a, a cool deal on, on something. It was a really old. It's over 100 years old, and, but it was, like, refinished and stuff. It was, it was really neat. But we get it home, and, and it just it changed everything in, in just the practical part of just us being able to have a place where we just go pour our heart out before God. And, and for my wife, that was a big part of her journey. Ladies, if you were there at the women's meeting, she probably shared about it. But, like, that was how she poured out her heart for, uh, to the Lord all the time, and and so she had to find other ways with the keyboard and headphones, and it just, it was a game changer for us. And we get it in the home, and the kids are singing and worshiping, and it's just awesome. And she's like, this is, it's like an altar. And I'm like, oh, I just want to cry. They're like, yes. The altar, there's nothing special about the altar. It's what happens at the altar. We are altered, Pastor Jonathan just said. That's right. We are altered at the altar. I, I mean, this is carpet here, right? And I, this little seam right here, sometimes for those of you who are OCD, I, I'll just sit here and like stare at the seam. I'm like, how do we fix it? But, you know, like there's carpet. It's carpet, you know, it's carpet. But what happens here? I mean, how many, how many people do you know in this church that have, poured out their heart before God and are standing here today or God's send them elsewhere and they're following after God, running after him because of something God did here. There's something about the altar, both in the church and in the home. And I tell you what, I believe one of the marks that we're going to see of a move of God is just as much, if not more, coming, not just coming or going home talking about what God did in church, but coming to church talking about what God did at home. In 2 Kings, I'm not going to, you don't have to turn there, 18, Elijah, it says he took stones. It gives you the impression that there was just like this broken altar and he was picking back up stones. It says, and he rebuilt the altar. Elijah restored Israel as a nation that serves the one true God. And, and there's this beauty of, of the unity that it brought. He used 12 stones that symbolized each tribe of Israel. It's just, it's awesome. Rebuild the altar. Verse, uh, the third point we're going to talk about is this one where it says, clear it of stones. And I want to say something. The Holy Spirit... He's doing some amazing things. 
I don't know if you've just seen it, but service by service, we just see God kind of just doing a deeper and a deeper and a deeper work. But I, I want to remind you and challenge you, whatever you want to, the right word is for this. But when God is speaking to your heart, do not push away. Pull in, lean in, run to him, whatever that looks like for you. But if God is speaking, it is because he wants to do an amazing work. And our flesh goes, ooh, but I don't want God to see my mess. I don't want him to see my problems. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give him control. Ooh, I just said the control word. Whoa. Just, we're going to stop there. We're not going to do it. Um, Because nobody here has desire to be in control of their life, right? I mean, nobody. Okay. Uh, It's scary when we just really give him everything. It's one thing to sing a song, say, I surrender. It's another to say, God, you're challenging this part in my heart, and I want to lay it down. And I'm giving it to you. I'm saying I no longer have control of this. You're Lord and you're God, and so I'm giving you everything. But this thing in particular, you are highlighting in my heart that I need to lay down. I'm telling you, when God does that, run to him. Do not run away from him. There's, there's an effect that can occur in our heart where every time we resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's like it puts a callous layer over our heart. And over time, it becomes a hard heart. And it's really hard for God to speak. And he can, he can do anything. And he, can, he breaks through hard hearts. He broke through my hard heart. But it's way easier and you go through way less pain when, you just, when he's speaking, man, just run. And so um, we will have time at the altar here, and I believe God wants to do some deep work. But clearing the road of stones. This is we as a church, we as families, we're preparing the way for what God wants to do and also preparing the way for others to enter into it because it's about his glory. Amen? And God's desire is that many would experience him. But when I read this, what just stands out to me, and I believe this is a theme of what God wants to do in our hearts right now, is removing every offense. The the translation of the word offense in the Greek is the word stumbling block or trap. And I say the word offense, and we live in a world where it's like you get a badge if you can say that you're offended about something. It's like, I mean, the school system is like, children, what are you offended about today? You know, it's like, we, we, we celebrate offense. And Jesus has some interesting things to say about offense, and I'm, we're not going to read a whole lot into it, but he says, woe unto those through whom the world comes offense. To cause others to stumble. I, I, I was th- seeing it like this. Offense is a fence. Like, it's a, it's like... Okay, I'm going to get some fellas. Guys, you can stand up real quick. Will, can you come too? You guys just stand in a, in a row right here, shoulder to shoulder. Okay, now do it again, but do it this way. Okay. Jose, would you mind standing right over there? Okay, God is, is wanting to use my life, and he's leading me. How many have ever cried out, Lord, use me. I want you to use me to minister to other people, and I, I want you to speak to me. And God's saying, hey, I'm, I want you to go, you know, just love on Jose. But I'm so busy and preoccupied and focused on and hurt by my offense. And this offense in my life, it's It's real. I'm not diminishing hurt. I'm not diminishing wrong. God does not say, you know, you just have to pretend it never happened. No, God's saying you lay it down and I'll heal you. You forgive and I'll deal. Let God, let vengeance be in God's hands. God, he's a just God. He, He deals with things. Sowing and reaping happens in this world. Amen. But man, for as long as I allow this, this offense, or offense, these guys are a tall fence. It's a pretty strong fence. Let me see if I can, no, I'm joking. Uh, I, I'd be scared to stand against these guys as a, on a football field or something. But 
This fence is so preoccupying my life that God's speaking, but I'm not really hearing. Here's a need over here, but I'm, I'm in pain and I'm identifying with my offense, and I'm identifying with my hurt, and I can't receive healing because I'm saying, God, no, 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 I'm not giving this to you. This is mine. And God's saying, remove the stones from the highway, remove the stumbling blocks, remove the things, like if this is my path, and God has a plan for my life, how many know he has a good purpose for all of our lives? God has an amazing plan, and this is the path I'm on. Guess what happens? I'm, I can't continue. And so there's stones in the way. And the unity that God wants to produce in our church and in our homes, it cannot be brought to pass unless we get rid of this. Thanks, guys. You guys are awesome. You guys, give those guys a hand. <laughs> Acts chapter 10. I'm not going to read this because I, I think this is, um, this is where we're going to end. Can I ask... Uh, Deborah, would you mind playing? Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, a, a, an entirely different dude. I mean, it's amazing. I just love the story of Peter. I often identify with some similarities to him in, uh, in his pre-Holy Spirit existence and post. And um, I mean, he's just such a different guy. He'd, he'd say anything, Lord, I'll die for you. And then, you know, hours later, I don't know him. I don't, I don't know. You are really scary, girl. So I don't know him, right? Like that's, but that's all of us without the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how you do it without him. Jesus said, it is so much better that I go to be seated at the right hand of the Father that I might send the Holy Spirit and he might live in you. How many know we need the Holy Spirit? But, but Peter, a, did I say Paul earlier? If I did, I, I apologize. Um, but uh, Peter, this transformed guy, God's, he's walking everywhere and healings are breaking out. I mean, he just... Hey, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He get, he's been thrown in prison, and angels show up and open the prison door. And like, hey, Pete, let's go. We're getting you out of here. <laughs> Move quick, you know. I'm going to see a man about a horse. Okay. But uh, he's seeing all, God do these amazing things. Powerful. And it says, and he was... In the presence of the Lord, in Acts chapter 10, he says he was sitting on this roof just chilling with Jesus and I believe praying in the Spirit. I think he says I was in the Spirit on the, Lord, is it on the Lord's day. I can't remember. And he says, and I saw this sheet come down and I, the Lord showed me all of these things that were unclean. And three times I see this vision and God was showing me because in, in Jewish uh, culture and in the commandments, uh, there were certain foods you were not supposed to eat. They were called unclean, unholy, uh, different, common was another word for them. You, those are common. Those are not separated. Those are common. The rest of the world eats that, but we don't do that. And God was showing him this three times. And up to this point, Peter, who'd seen all these miracles and all these signs and wonders, he thought at that point in time that Jesus died only if you were Jewish. Could you receive there? And I don't think he may probably consciously thought that, but there was something in him that tradition had been locked into him and a certain preconception that, oh yeah, I don't, I don't hang out with Gentiles. I especially don't go in their house. That's just a thing we don't do. And I'm not saying Peter was offended by any means, but there was, there was a stone. There was something restricting him. And so God wanted to deal with something in his heart at the same time, he's doing an amazing miracle in a family. And so he sh God shows Peter three times this vision. He's like, God, these things are unclean. And God says, don't call unclean what I have made clean. That's a word for some of you here today. That you're struggling in condemnation. You've received salvation in Jesus, but you feel so unclean. 
And Jesus is saying, do not call unclean what I have made clean. But, but God says to Peter in this vision, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Don't call common what I've called uncommon. And, and so then the vision uh, arises and the Holy Spirit says to him, there's going to be some guys that show up to, to the house. Go with them. And so Peter's like, okay, you know, all right, let's follow God and obey his voice. And so the, the Lord says, Cornelius, who is a Gentile, not a Jew, not a, the family has, is not Jewish in any way, and, and says, Cornelius has called for you, and we want to bring you to his house. Little do we know that Cornelius has been praying and fasting. He doesn't even know who, who God is. He just wants God. He's so hungry. And how many know we are in a world today where there are people out there that are so hungry. There are homes devastated and broken and they're hungry. They might not be fasting. They might not be praying, but there's something in them that's calling out saying, will someone show me the true God? And, G and, and Peter responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, just following. Okay, what was that vision I had of what on earth? You know, don't... And so he shows up to Cornelius' house and he's like, whoa, you know, I'm not sure if I can cross this threshold. I'm not, this isn't how we used to do it. It's not the way we're supposed to do it, but how many of God, Jesus came to break barriers. God made a lot of good rules to protect us and to guard us, but how many know at the same time, God breaks some rules that we've made. We've made some rules in our life. Oh, that's an area that, that's a hurt, and I'm just gonna hang on to that for the rest of my life. No, Jesus came to get rid of that. No, I like this stone in the way because it, I like it. I can keep control over it. No, Jesus came to clear it because there's so much more that if we will simply submit to him and let him have the things that we feel like we need to hold dear, God's gonna do something so amazing and so beautiful on the other side. And so Peter, trusting in the Holy Spirit, crosses the threshold and removes the stone of offense, the stone of difference, the stone of, you're not like me, the stone of, of, I don't know, we're not the same. I don't think we can share fellowship. Jesus, the Holy Spirit leading him, leading Peter to cross that threshold enters the home and begins to share the gospel. Cornelius is like, we've been praying and an angel showed up and he just said, go get Peter, go get Pete. He'll know what to do. And Peter shares the gospel, the simple good news. And by the way, I just wanna say, it's easy. It's not, not rocket science. He just shares the gospel. And it says, while he was speaking, how's this for an interruption of a sermon? While he's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on the whole family. Cornelius had brought his whole, he brought his second cousins twice removed for this event. He was mom, dad, you know, everybody. Cornelius is like, there's an angel that showed up. Something's, something's going on. We need the whole family. We need to get the whole family. That one that's like really far away and, and they, they're not even on Facebook because they're kind of weird and and I, can you call Uncle Jerry? You know, let's get him here. Because an angel said he wants to do something here. Will you guys stand with me? There's a preparedness I believe God wants to put in our hearts that says, God, if, if you show it to me, I'll lay it down. There, maybe there's a preparedness where it's just more of a fear. It's like, I'm afraid to step out in this way or do this thing. God is saying, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just lay it down and just trust me, he has amazing things in store. He's preparing us for what's to come. He's making us ready, but he's making a, a place ready where there's a unity that brings anointing, that destroys the yoke. How many want to see people set free in this place? How many want to see healings and miracles? And, and, but I'm telling you, we want to see souls. We want to see the lost saved. We want to see lives transformed. I believe we are going to see children of darkness become children of light. Amen? When offense is removed, God will move. I love that Peter, in the middle of his sermon, he's like, I had this one ready to roll. Point number three, 
the Holy Spirit interrupts his message and falls, and they begin speaking in unknown tongues, all of them. Man, praise God. Will you guys lift your hands to the Lord? Father, we acknowledge that apart from you, we can do nothing. Even when you call us to lay something down, it's only by your grace that we can give it to you. It's by your grace that we've received salvation. It's by your grace that the blood of Jesus was given to us. It's by your mercy, Lord, that your love stretched out to us who were not deserving. And it's by your grace that we are empowered to follow you, to live in your ways. Lord, I pray that right now you would do a work in our hearts and in our minds where there have been preconceptions or religious ideas or rules that we've made in our mind that are not aligned with you and your word, with ways of living, with accepting things in our heart that you want removed. Lord, we we pray you would do a work in our heart, conviction of the Holy Spirit, let it come to us. We thank you, Lord, that you convict us of sin, of righteousness and judgment, not to condemn us, but to free us. We thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you just know, there's some things I have got. They're stones and they're in the way and I've got to lay them down. There's, I, I know, I believe in this place, there's some hurts that have come from family, hurts that have come from your church family and God wants to heal. God wants to deliver, but we've got to give it to him. But if there's a fence, there's a stumbling block, there's something that's restricting you, I want want to ask you this morning to lay it down. To lay it down, to give it to Jesus. And in this place, as an act of faith, what I'm going to ask you to do is to come forward and just say, God, I'm responding to you. I don't care what anyone else thinks, but I need to lay this down. I don't want any hindrance in my life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you've not given him your life, his salvation is, has been poured out and it's available to you right now if you simply believe. Simply put your trust in him and confess that you're a sinner who needs him. He will come in and change your life forever. It's as simple as saying, God, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. I'm not walking my own way. I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. If you're here today and you know that you need to get in relationship with Jesus, we would love to pray with you today as well. And if you're here and you've, you've been battling some severe bondage or, 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 or uh, oppression from the enemy and you know that you need prayer and you need to get free, whether that's physical or spiritual, emotional, we want to pray with you today. But as Deborah's pl- playing, she can pray and play, I guess, you know. I want you to respond to this, to the Lord. The devil works so hard to blind us from the the truth of God's heart toward us, but he is so good. So I'm going to pray, and then I want you to come. Is that very simple? We're going to pray, and we're going to come, but there there are rocks in the house. I just know it. There's rocks in the house, and God wants them out. It's not to point any fingers. It's so... God has so much more in store. So, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you're bringing a work of unity in our house, in our families, in the home, and in the church. And we thank you, and we acknowledge that you are at work, Holy Spirit. God, we acknowledge that you are the worker of miracles, that, Lord, you are the one who can move mountains. God, we pray, Lord, as we prepare our hearts, that the heavens would be rent. God, we pray right now that you would prepare the ground, that we, we just say we break up the fallow ground, and we give our, the ground of our hearts to you. And we say, Lord, plant what you need to plant. Remove what you need to remove and do a work in us. God, we give you our hearts and we thank you, Lord, for bringing unity in this house, for rooting out things that would divide us, making us one that your anointing would come and your blessing would be commanded in this place. In Jesus' name, if you're here, I want you to come. You just know, this is serious between me and God. I want you to come. 
This is not, uh, you know, patty cake, prayer time, kumbaya. This is me and Jesus. We're, we're getting real. I'm laying this down. Today, I'm walking out of this place without a stone in my life that I used to have. Today, I'm walking out of this place with a hindrance that used to be in my life, but it's, it's going now. I'm leaving it at this altar. It's, I'm putting it in the hands of Jesus.